this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre, and we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is an enormously talented and popular cartoonist and illustrator, and both a friend and a generous supporter of this very podcast, which shows how poor his judgment really is. You've seen his work in Heavy Metal, National Lampoon, Spy, The New York Observer, and many other publications that no longer exist, including the final edition of the Village Voice that featured his full-page portrait of me. You've also seen his illustrations in the New Yorker, Entertainment Weekly, Mad Time, the Wall Street Journal, and the terrific new humor publication, The American Bystander. His new book, Drew Friedman's Chosen People, published by Pantographics Books. Very good. With a foreword by comedy writer Meryl Marco, features portraits of the greats and near greats. Among them, Muddy Walters. Muddy Walters? Muddy, muddy water. <laughs> the Jew, the, his Jewish cousin. Yeah, the Jewish, the Jewish it, blues it guy. This was uh, Barbara Walters' cousin, <laughs> Muddy Walters. <laughs> I had no idea. She was the more famous of the two. Shemp Howard, George Zucco, Sammy Petrillo, Drew's wife, Kathy Bittis. Bitus. Bitus. <laughs> and she's got the Bitus touch, I've heard. Frank Santo Padre and two, count them, two portraits of me. A new documentary about his life and work is currently being filmed, and the director, Kevin Dougherty, will be joining us a little later to discuss. Please welcome the Vermeer of the Borscht Belt, Howard Stern's favorite artist, and a man Joe Franklin once sued for $40 million. <laughs> making his first appearance on the show. Fourth. Oh, making his... <laughs> I thought you looked familiar. <laughs> making... Making his fourth appearance, I'll, I'll say it's your seventh, <laughs> appearance on the show, Judas, <laughs> our pal, Drew Friedman. Thank you, Gilbert. Could you read that again? <laughs> <laughs> There'll I be corrections. read it the first time. We'll you, issue corrections. He didn't recognize me because I have lots of liver spots now. So <laughs> I've changed. How is it we've never been sued for $40 million on this I, I show? Know. At least by the estate well, of Cesar I, Romero? I, the thing I is, keep jo- trying. <laughs> Joe, Joe sued me, and then we became good friends 25 years later, as you know. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> I know. Joe is gone now, so uh, you know he's not going to be suing anybody anymore. But And didn't he say, 
that he was uh, really close friends with your father? Yes. He said, Drew, uh, <laughs> your, your dad has been on my show many times. I said, really? Uh, he's never been on your show. He said, <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got indignant about it. He said, yes, he has. You know, so, well, it's like, uh, who could argue? Who could, who could fight with him? Joe also said he had Cary Grant on, Greta Garbo, <laughs> oh, yeah. John Lennon. None of, those people, none of those people my, were on. My favorite, <laughs> when we had him on, he was telling us about the time he had both James Deaton right, yeah. and Al Pacino on. Right, yeah. We, and, we and looked we, it up. Yeah, we, we looked at we worked it out and and Al Pacino would have had to have been eleven. Five. I, think, yeah. I, think, I think it was eleven. I think it was eleven when James yeah, Dean died in fifty five. It would have been eleven. So <laughs> it's possible he was acting when he was eleven, but unlikely that he that would he be was, on the Joe Franklin show. Unlikely. Yeah. Bloody unlikely. But there's, yeah. There's no there's no surviving footage of any of that. So By the way, he doesn't do the Jew dots anymore. Has I he, noticed in thirty that. years. No. Yeah. It's only been thirty. Gilbert has to eat. Yeah, I Gilbert is still doing monster, monster jokes in his act, so it takes <laughs> it takes a while. Uh, he's doing actually, hell's a popping jokes. It's actually in his act. been twenty twenty five years since I I drew with the dots. I because um where where we met was we were both uh, contributors to National Lampoon, right? And you used to draw your drawings and you'd shade them with like a million tiny dots. That's right. And so whenever you showed up at the offices and I'd see you, I'd start screaming, there he is, Jew dots. You'd follow Everybody me around. Everybody clear the way for Jew dots. Jew dots. <laughs> Jew dots. He would follow me around chanting it. Yeah, but I'd follow course, you through you know, all the offices. This is only my first appearance on the show, but we've talked about this in the past. Yes. Um, but, I but, don't uh, remember Gilbert the other time. You know, you know this was the National Lampoon, the unfunny years. Uh-huh. So in I, the 80s, when the, you know, there was no longer, they, just, they made an editorial decision not to be funny anymore. <laughs> so they, I hired, remember. they hired Gilbert and I and Frank. To, to, to do work for well, them. I was a freelancer, but yeah. Well, when brought, they were down brought, on Spring Street? Uh, yeah, they moved around a lot because yeah, yeah, they couldn't yeah. pay their rent, so they kept getting thrown right. out. And I but. think they had a different owner each Well, week. this is when the publisher hires his own children to run the magazine. <laughs> These kind of things happen. Although, you know, I liked his children. Um, but that's where Gilbert and I met, and then Gilbert would show up at my apartment, you know, unannounced, to watch my VHS horror movies because he didn't have a VHS machine. Yeah, because <laughs> I would visit my mother, and right. she lived a block. Right. From your house. You were on 4th, I was on 6th. Yeah. You were on Avenue A, I was on 1st Avenue. So I would stop over your house, we wouldn't even say hello No, we never even other. exchanged uh, pleasantries. you just open the door and he'd walk he'd in walk and in, put yeah. on Bride of the Monster. Like, you know, kind of like Kramer, kind of, you know, yeah. vibe. Yeah, you know Kramer but before then, his time. But then Kathy would get home from work and she'd say, what's he doing here? I said, I don't know, we're watching Bride of the Monster, what, what can I tell you? <laughs> so I'd put his coat back on him and send him back home. <laughs> what's he doing here? <laughs> she said, well, you know, we have to have dinner and, you know. <laughs> but we did that many, many times. I wrote about that in The Voice, those happy times when we would sit around in silence and watch The Manster <laughs> or Bride of the Monster or, or The Haunted, three, three the haunted Strangler. Or The Indestructible Man. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, a, that was a favorite, of course. Yeah. yeah. Which I think you're going to be talking about a little later. And and I, we'll and, and, and we watched um, The Owlet's Wing and yes. Lizard's Tail Route, episode. Route 66, yeah. Yeah, with, uh, Lon Chaney, Peter Laurie, and Boris. Cole. Which, according to a previous and episode, and George Maharis. George Maharis. Let's, let's start. Yeah, uh, let's start. Okay. Where are we going with this? Well, George Maharis, in case none of you have ever listened to the show before, <laughs> was caught in a men's room. <laughs> like greatest hits. Many years ago, he was a <laughs> handsome actor, very successful on TV, 
and he was caught in the men's room with you. Would you like to say the name, Drew? Well, let me um, let me just um, digress for one second. When I was on the show the first time, you asked me, uh, Drew, who was George Maharis caught in the men's room ah. with in Van Nuys? Or, or Rosita, I forget. It was one or the other. I didn't know. I was stumped. And I'm still chagrined, embarrassed about oh, that. That I didn't know it was that, Perfecto Tellez. That Tellez's. is an excuse. I know. I, that was three years Perfecto ago. Perfecto Tellez. I'll never forget. Way. We'll never forget now. Perfecto Tellez. If you're going to get caught in a men's room with anyone, <laughs> now, someone named Perfecto, Perfecto He was a hairdresser. Now, you guys, yes. know, yeah. you guys know that Perfecto is still alive and a potential guest, right? Uh, oh, and, and George Maharis is alive. Perfect. I don't. You know. could arrange a reunion. I don't know. The Maybe. Perfecto's still with us. Uh, is he? I, I believe he is. Okay, Paul. You, uh, wanna, you, know, you know what fa- would be George ideal? George Maharis is. George Maharis, I know. Yeah, Paul will find out. It would be ideal we if we were talking to Perfecto Tellys. <laughs> And Frank Sinatra showed up <laughs> with George Maharis. It'd be great. Or Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah. Brokered a reconciliation. Yes. <laughs> oh, I got it. I, that, that would be perfect. So you're waking? Yeah, I'm uh, fucking guys up in the gas station he, in Vanna. He turned into a punchline on that show, Arrested Development. They named a character. Perfecto? Perfecto Teles. Yeah. Or Teles. Well, the Veep is now re- referencing Danny Thomas and Glass Coffee. I know. We, we like David we Mandel. He's a good guy, and he, know, he knows his David. stuff. He knows his stuff. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned the Danny Thomas story a billion times, I, but now Frank's gets upset. <laughs> Oh, is that because there are some relatives you, of oh. Danny Thomas? Yeah, well, you know, the last time I was on the show, I was on the show with uh, Bill Persky, yes, and Tom, uh, Leopold. Tom Leopold, Craig Bierko, and Paul Schaefer for the first anniversary. Right. So we brought up Danny Thomas in the glass coffee tables. We did, and Bill, and, Bill almost made a beeline. Bill out got of the a little room. upset, so yeah. I think you had to edit that out. So we're going to bring all that up again. Yeah. Tom but, actually was the first person to tell me about Perfecto Tellus. Really? So there you go. He knows his stuff. He does. Well, when I first was emailing with Tom. We were talking because I did a book cover for him and I brought up Danny Thomas and he he paused and he said, look, there's no proof that he actually ate the shit, (laughs) which is true. There is no proof. (laughs) And one time I was talking to Sid Melton. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, now this story about Danny Thomas. And he very sadly nodded his head. Yes, it's true. <laughs> While yes. you were playing with his dog at the yeah, house by the yes, the house that, by the airport. Well, that's true. Is it Minglewood? <laughs> Here's my concern that we'll go so down so many rabbit holes. That we'll never happen. even get to the book. Yes. That so could let's happen. let's take care of that. Let's address that by getting to the book first. Thank you, Frank. Oh, Drew uh, Friedman's Paul, chosen people. I think Paul is here. Oh, with with some tenor. Perfecto. Singing, uh, breaking yeah, news. Perfecto. Oh, Danny Boy. Boy. Perfecto Danny update. Jones left us, sadly, in oh. March 1980. Damn it. But here's one consoling factor. Before he died, he lived in Bent, New Mexico. Bent. <laughs> nice. Oh, excellent. Very good. That's what, thank you for that. Excellent. Wow. See, Is that what they, it's they a bent? question we don't ask them for. There was a play, there was a play with Richard Gere called Bent. Do you, do you think that was Bent no based on? No connection. So, you know, Did he you died in 1980. Rich- I guess I've never accepted it. Uh, so that's the Perfecto's death. Perfect. Yeah. You're in denial. Yeah. I, I'm in denial about it, right? Yeah. But yeah George Maharis is still around. Just like there are Holocaust <laughs> deniers. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a perfecto deniers. Perfecto denier. Let's say it you never happened. Something. <laughs> you, uh, the death of Perfecto Tellies is something that the Jew media <laughs> has been trying to put down. That's right. Our it's fake. Ne- it's, I, I swear to God, it's fake news. <laughs> I'm not accepting it. 
<laughs> let's talk briefly about Drew's book, since I fear that we'll never get back to it. Okay. Chosen People. You have a copy right yes. there that he was kind enough yes. to bring you. And it turns out, uh, to my dismay, it's not only about Jews. No, they're, 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 my, they're not God's chosen people. They're my chosen Muddy, people. Muddy no. Waters on the I'm sorry, Murray, Muddy Walters. Mur, Muddy, Muddy, Wal- Wal- Muddy Wal- Walters is on Barbara's the cover. Murray he's, Walters. Uh, he's in Boss, too, so, you know, the blind kid. But, but blind the funny enjoy. thing about it is uh, I, I would say 99% of them are Jews. And dead. Well, here I'm yes, looking. I'm yes. looking at John Carradine and Johnny Cash. Not a Jew in the bunch. Well, there, okay. It's really a mix. It's not only <laughs> Ted Healy, not a Jew. No. Al Hirschfeld, Jew. Howlin' no. Wolf, not a Jew. Bobby Barber in the book, not a Jew. Shemp, yeah. a Jew. Very Jewish. Lou Jacoby, a Jew. Or Buckley, Jew. not Jewish. Not Jewish. No. So it's a mix. It's yeah. it's my chosen people. People I chose to include in this book, and it's um, you know portraits. Created over the last five, six years. And Frank is in the book. I'm thrilled. And there's two portraits of Gilbert in the book. Yes. Gilbert, you got your own, uh, what do they call that? A uh, He has his own spread. spread. Yeah, he has a spread. A, and, we, of course, we have George Zucco in the book, John Carradine. And yes. the book opens with Forrest J. Ackerman. I, so, I'm, I'm especially happy It's a mix. Ackerman to, to Zucco. Exactly. It's a mix. And everything in between. Gilbert got a chubby when and, we showed uh, George Zucco was in the book. And well, yeah, I got to read you what Drew wrote. It's, you know, he lists all the people who are in the book and a short description. Gilbert Gottfried, a hyper crazy, brilliant and fearless comedian who I've known for over 30 years, ever since encountering him at the mid 80s, not very funny version of the National Lampoon, (laughs) which we were both creating work for. We hit it off because we both shared a passion for crappy old horror films (laughs) starring Lon Chaney Jr. There we go. That's beautiful. (laughs) Very affectionate. I want to read something that Meryl wrote in the forward, the great Meryl Marco. Uh, This is the Jewish forward that we're talking about. I get it. I love this. Meryl Marco is Jewish. Yes. And I have something to say about her when you're done. I I love this. To appreciate Drew Friedman is to appreciate Shemp. Maybe even a little too much. Well, Meryl was a huge Curly fan, yeah. passionate about it. She said she had a crush on Curly when she was a kid. She just like thought he was like she was so great, especially the spin when he'd spin oh, around. Yeah. So she's she just a curly like thought purist. he was. A, she won't go so for she Shemp. Was like, so I had so I actually convinced her that no, no, Shemp is worth you know paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And now she adores Shemp, and so does her boyfriend Andy Preboy adores Shemp. So you know, I'm I'm converting people little by little. Shemp gets looked upon as the George Lazenby. I would say that about Joe Dorita, perhaps. Is he the, <laughs> is he the Pete Best? No, Joe Dorita would be oh. the, the Peter Sellers of, of, of James Bonds, maybe. You know, the one you, you always forget played Timothy James Dalton. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, he was okay. But J- Joe Dorita, you know, we're, we're discussing him lately because we found photos of him and Randolph Scott. Um. Now, Randolph Scott, for those out there who don't know, was either the boyfriend or girlfriend of Carrie Grant. <laughs> right. So he went from Carrie to Curly Joe, which is a natural progression, you would yeah. think. Now, you know. <laughs> now um, you have no proof of that. Gilbert. <laughs> we have photos of them hugging, though. So, you know, make up your own mind. And I heard <laughs> Cary Grant would lie under Clive's coffee. Oh, you! And I have Joe, li- Joe Dorita. <laughs> I have a list of guys who would lie under glass it. coffee tables. At. You know, Otto Preminger was also into that. He was into that. Yes. 
Uh, Do tell. Yeah. Did you? You didn't know that. No, one? I didn't. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, every between breaks during filming Skadoo, where you was know, something? You would unwind. <laughs> Who else was in? With into? hookers shitting on top where of them. Where would you and, come by information like that? You know, like people send me this stuff. Usually, I could like, you know, I could I could sense if it's real or not. Uh-huh. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes you'll tell me these stories. That I mean, I'll tell stories on this show that are disturbing. Well, I just learned something what? yesterday. You know, like it's never too late. What? Did you know whose nickname was Princess Tiny Meat? No. In Hollywood, <laughs> Frank, do you know? <laughs> no. Princess Tiny Meat. Prin- Princess Tiny Meat was his nickname. Uh. Think about it. Walter Slezak? No, you're close though. <laughs> it's All just right. a wild guess. Montgomery Clift. Wow. Marlon Brando coined that phrase. So he had a small dick? Supposedly, and that's one of the reasons he was, aside from, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, having a lot of issues, he had a tiny penis. Yes. I didn't know this till yesterday. No, I didn't either. But, um, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't know it till The thing is, everybody talks minute. about the big cocks like Milton Berle and Hunts Hall uh-huh. and Eddie Fisher, but the tiny oh, ones. who had the tiny cocks? Guy Marks. Well, Guy, well, Guy Marks had a huge one, yep, supposedly, and, supposedly, and William, the, William Defoe, they say. But the tiny ones, they, nobody talks about that. So that's the first I learned about Montgomery Clift. You know, you know William Defoe. Willem Defoe. Willem Defoe. Right. I met recently, and, and I didn't know this. True? I would have asked him. Did you sleep with him? Uh-huh. No? Well, if you're going to malign the guy, get his name right. <laughs> oh, that's an honor. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought, well, he, was, I thought he was in a small club. That Milton Berle had the, the biggest schlong in all of Hollywood. Yeah. A, yes. Jew, a Jew of all people. What do you think of the story that far that Richard Kind told us that Forrest Tucker took it out and putted a golf ball? <laughs> That's with, great. With That's great. Yeah, Excellent. but you know Forrest Tucker, even though he worked with Larry Storch for all those years, he did belong to a restricted golf club. <laughs> golf club. Did he? Well, they yes. all did. They all all the non-Jews did. You know. And I think Oliver Hardy and Ward Bond probably. Oh, forget and Ward and John Bond. Wayne. Yeah, I mean there were some notorious Jew haters. Yeah, there, yeah. Back then. And that's why they had to create their own club, like uh, Groucho and George Jessel. Uh, Hillcrest, right? Right. Yes. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Although I met Anthony Quinn, and he said he used to go to Hillcrest because he, he just loved sitting around with all of these old comedians that he grew well, up It was one huge table of Cantor, Groucho. Can you imagine Groucho? Lou Holtz. Uh, Willie Howard, yeah, Jack uh, Benny, Jessel, David, David Steinberg Benny. used to hang out with those guys. Too. Yeah, yeah well, he was like club. under kind of, it was under Groucho's wing, right? Late in the late sixties, and and took the first stab at Minnie's Boys, but that must have been pretty. I don't know if they filmed any of that. I kind of I doubt they did. Who was under Groucho's wing? David, David Steinberg. Steinberg. Oh, Groucho, wow. Groucho loved him, yeah, and and hired him to write the first version of Minnie's Boys, which he didn't like. Uh, what yeah, came, you know what happened, or it didn't work out. He told us that when he was on the show, Gil. You yeah, wouldn't remember was, that. I don't you know, pay attention. <laughs> you might have been napping. Groucho, yeah. wanted, Groucho wanted Shelley Winters to play his mom because she had big tits, basically, uh-huh. is what it came down to. I never saw Minnie's Boys. Was it, it I was saw it. I saw it. I was 11. I loved it. You did. But I, what did I know? I was 11. But I loved it because it was like seeing the Marx Brothers on stage. Right. You know, like they did a lot of the shtick. But the thing is, Shelley Winters was so bad and had she couldn't sing, so she would get on stage and basically gummo up the works. <laughs> Nice. That was actually a quote from the New York Times review. Nice. And that's why the show was a flop, but I loved it. Did you see and it? also Minnie's No, Boys? I never saw the it. The thing no. is, Groucho was a consultant on the show, so he was always in the audience. So I went up to him during intermission and got his autograph when I was 11. I, like, I went under people's legs practically because everybody was crowded around them, but I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. So I still have his autograph on my playbill. 
you know. That's the first. That's the first of three times I met him. Right, you went to the house with Dad. And, and yeah, as a, as a kid, you were at Groucho's house. That was yeah, the, my third encounter with him. Was uh, casually Aaron Fleming, his girlfriend, who used to you know like uh, throw him around, throw him down the stairs and things like that. <laughs> yes, but we can forgive her. <laughs> she, she like your pop? Yeah, Aaron I think Fleming? she was. You know, she had a lot of friends out there, like young Hollywood type. So my fa- my dad was out there re- screenwriting, and they became friendly. So she invited. She said, "Groucho loves kids. Could you bring your sons?" So my my two brothers and I, you know, were invited with my dad to Groucho's house, and we spent the entire day there. In fact, we put him to bed. He got in his pajamas. Love wow! It. My dad gave him a copy of of his of his current novel. Groucho took it to bed with him. But Groucho at seven thirty was watching. Uh, you Bet Your Life, which just came back into syndication for a half an hour. So Groucho excused himself to watch it, and then he went to bed. You know, and we, But we put him to bed in his pajamas. You know? Wow. <laughs> I love but, that. But we, kissed, then- we kissed him on the cheek. It was like you know, an incredible memory. But you know, stupidly, we, did, we got no photographs. But you, know, you don't think about that then. But, but then didn't he invite you? Yes. To, yeah. That's the story. The, 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 one of my gr- regrets, probably my greatest regret is – the day after, Aaron Fleming called my dad and said, um, Groucho had a great time with you guys. He'd like to invite you back next week because Mae West is coming over. They haven't seen each other for 35 years since they worked together at Paramount. And so my dad said, hey, guys, Groucho's inviting us back. Do you want to go? And my brothers and I looked at each other and said, eh, we had enough Groucho. So, <laughs> well, that kills me. I still regret but that. But you wouldn't have called him if, he, if you'd had his number in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't call George Carlin. Yes, yes. Yeah, did you, did you, you didn't call. You didn't you call Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters. Did you get to meet Larry Fine ever about, uh, at that time? I uh, no. Yeah, or Mo Howard. Any of those? No, guys? Nev, none. None of the. I Stooges. met Larry Fine when I was a kid. I told you. Did that, you? at Dutch Wonderland wow. in Pennsylvania? Wow, was he sweet? He was making oh, that's personal right. appearances that's right. in the wheelchair. I got to meet Emil, Emil Sitka, who that's, was the stu- that Stooges. counts. Yeah, I went to his house. He was great. I was going to illustrate his his. Uh, that reminds me, we haven't talked about my book yet. Let's uh, let's talk right. about the and book the again. And Sitka <laughs> we was about. supposed to be. They were planning yet a newer version. That's right of the Stooges after Larry was way too sick yeah. to do it, and the third one was dead. Or... Well, they got Curly Joe Mo, but they were really Mo was really old at that time. Yeah, and and then they took photos with Emil Sitka filling in for Larry, even though he was a foot taller than the yeah. other two guys. But then, as like the day after they took those photos, Mo died, you know. And Emil told the story; it's very sad. I got a call from Mo's daughter: "Come to the funeral, Emil. Mo is dead." And that was the end of the story. Did you hear Bergeron's <laughs> recordings? On, oh yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. With Mo, incredible. It's yeah. pretty wild. Yeah, incredible. And Larry, yeah, we're so nice to him on the phone. Getting and, back, getting and, back, to and the- he, I remember what uh, Bergeron said <laughs> was that when he was talking to Mo, Mo was really nice. And he said, so, uh, you know, sounding exactly like Mo. Yeah. And he said, so, where'd you get my number from? And he goes, oh, uh, I spoke to Larry. He gave it to me. <laughs> and there was a pause, and Mo goes, Larry. Oh. <laughs> I like I like Mo when you hear the old recordings of Mo when he gets old. You're, you know, he kind of talks like you said, my brother Coily. You always call him Coily. <laughs> Coily. <laughs> Curly, he was the baby. You see him in those Coy- Mike Douglas episodes. Coyly, yeah, with with yeah. with Ted with yeah. Ted Knight. Yeah, and I like cringe because Mo was so old and fragile. His hair is white, but he combed it down, you know, in the Beatle haircut. But he's so fragile, it looks like he's about to keel over at any time. And I think he died soon after. 
And now while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, <laughs> a word from our sponsor. <laughs> podcast. Silly little podcast. Starring Frank and Gilbert. Searing through my balls. Ready back to the show. I remember one time on the Mike Douglas show, I, I forget who the third one there, but they they enacted the uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, was it Soupy? I think it was Soupy. Oh, it could have been Soupy. soupy yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they reacted the Niagara Falls thing. Yeah, and Mo would do this like kind of uh, thing where after he goes crazy. And gets back to normal. He kind of shakes around a little and looks dizzy. And each time he did that, you know, when he was young, that was probably funny. Like he was getting back to normal. And But now you could see on both their faces, they were looking like, oh, oh, is he going to die now? That's what I remember, yeah. Mike Douglas seemed very concerned. Remember that, Frank? I do. Yeah, I do. he looked really worried. Each yeah, time and I was worried that. too as a kid watching that. You can watch those on YouTube, and it's like he was shaky. Well, but, it's you kind know. of like the later Three Stooges where they slap each other That's and go, right. "Wait, you're eighty? You're slapping? <laughs> well, just all... These are eighty-year-old men slapping it was each like, other." Like you know, at that Mo, where's Curly Joe? Um, I want some pancakes. That's you know, pretty like, good. Those guys. Sound, you sound like Billy doing Larry. Well, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that? Where is that? Uh, uh, what's his name? That's pretty listen, good. Listen, listen. Pretty... Stop picking on him. It's like, you know, it's like it's just like painful to watch as I they know. got older and older. Well, and the... we've talked about it. It's like watching the Marxes in Love Happy. Yeah, you're watching well, a 72 year old Harpo horrible. limping well, across the roof. You're not roof. watching, even, you know, gra- even worse. I know he wasn't 70. Yeah, you've, you've he was seen... almost. He was, I think, probably in his. No, 60s. he was in his 60s. Yeah, yeah. you've seen those. TV shows with the Marx He illustrated yeah. the, bo- the, the box yes. set. Yes. Yes. Shout Factory yeah. came out with the box set of, of the Marx Brothers on TV. And to me, it's painful because they call Chico, uh, they call Chico Chico, you know, oh, in the geez. series they gave him in the 50s. Hello, Chico. It's like, you know, God, every time I yelled, Kathy will tell you, I yelled at the TV, his name isn't Chico, it's Chico. And those, I, <laughs> you know what was funny? I was watching... Uh, somebody sent me a tape of uh, all of those, the TV shows of the Marx Brothers. And uh, my son said, is this supposed to be funny? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I've heard that, too. It's sad. I, I do have a question for Groucho, though. Yeah. Groucho, oh. why did you execute the Rosenbergs? Because Chico <laughs> needed the money. Uh, okay. I was just wondering. I have one. I have another question for Groucho. Okay. Groucho, why did you bang Rosemary? Because Chico <laughs> needed her money. Thank you. Do we have this? Is that a fact that he banged oh, Rosemary? Uh, you know, who knows? You're taking liberties there. Who knows? You know, if if uh, Andy Devine banged Clark Gable, anything's possible. <laughs> Notice I don't question oh, that he executed the Rosenbergs. Right. Yes. You sent me that article. <laughs> yes. Basically, never actually stating. Right. The original Brokeback Andy Mountain. Divine. Yes. <laughs> Fuck God. Clark Gable and the ass. But it went as far as you could go. 
Basically, yeah. yeah. Without, there was no, there was no photos that exist. It's something I could draw. That's about all yeah. we're gonna get out of it. Beyond that, there's not, you know. Did you ever use your draw imagination? That picture? No, I haven't yet. You, do you have want to, to. Do you want to commission me? <laughs> you gotta, I won't charge. You, I wait. won't charge you that's that. It's a much. long wait. I'll try. <laughs> How do you uh, decide on uh, some of these portraits for the book? I mean, you have a lot of drawings. How did you, you winnow it down to this list? There's about 125 images in this new book, uh, Chosen People. Half of them are maybe ass- are assignments, uh, mm-hmm. images I did for the cover of the New York Observer, mm-hmm. the late New York Observer, um, edit- uh, published by Jared Kushner. Um, some work was created for the Village Voice, for the New Yorker, et cetera. But a lot of images like uh, were created for for the book specifically. Specific, um, you know, people I, I've never I've never drawn before, and I said I want to really draw these people finally. So like George George Zucco and John Carradine and Fanny Bryce, right. Sarah Silverman I hadn't drawn right, before, right. and then other people I like Jimmy Kimmel is in the book, but he did he wrote a forward for one of my earlier books, so I did the drawing for that forward. So but so that's a, that's collected. And some are friends like Peter Kaplan and uh, our well, old friend Jay Lynch. It helps if they're friends like. When I was on the Mark Marin podcast a couple of years ago, as soon as I got home, I drew him. I was just like, you know, I really had a good time. I really liked him a lot. So I, I did a portrait of him, which mm-hmm. he loved, mm-hmm. and that's in the book, you know. So, um, you know, I have to uh, – it helps if I feel passionate about people, either positively or negatively. Right. And that's why Steve Bannon is in the book because I saw that face and I said, I got I to gotta capture that, you know. He's not so much a chosen person as he is just no, a chosen portrait. No, but it's just – exactly. A so it's like portrait. it's not only people I admire. It's some – you know, there are some people in there I don't quite – I don't really admire. But I had to just – I had to get him out of my system. Kellyanne Conway, I feel the same way. I haven't drawn uh-huh. her yet. But look at that face. They're like – they're like created for me to draw. I know they're – So how can I – you know, I can't escape it. And and it's there's some some are like a throwback to the to the Jewish comedian books too because there's Jackie Miles is in there and Guy Marks. Yeah, so well, you got some of those. Not only Jews, Guy Marks was was uh, was Italian. Was he Italian? Yeah, Guy he was Marks. Italian. He wasn't he wasn't Jewish. I'll so be damned. There are some you know non Jew comedians in the book, but also I drew I draw them as younger. You know, I have a young Fanny Bryce only died when she was fifty nine, so she never became an old Jewish comedian. Right. So I couldn't include her in my books in my series. Same with Shemp. He died at sixty two, so that's too young. Um, well, so, how old do they have to be? I'll cross over to sixty-five. That kind of qualifies yeah. them as as old. So you're not there yet. Because you know? <laughs> when, when I saw my picture in your book, I was thinking, "Oh fuck! No, I hope no. this isn't you, an old Jewish comedian." No, book. you're not there yet. Although, uh, you know, my friend Bob Greenberg is is begging me to be include him in in one of those books. But I just look, you're not old enough, Bob. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to wait. Book number twelve, exactly. Speaking Down of that, talk, it's talk, and you've talked about it before, but it's fun. Talk about some of the the reactions that you got from people like Jack Carter. Well, you know, I mean, when Jerry, the, you famous, you said loved it to death. And but, the first book came out. We talked about this, but the, yeah. when the first book came out, the publisher sent it to some of the comedians who were in the book. You know. I, we got their addresses. So phone calls started coming in. I was laying in bed because I had sprained my back, like installing a toilet seat, which, you know, <laughs> which Jews, Jews should never do. They should hire they should hire people to do that and pay them as little money as possible. Yes. Right? We actually had an answering machine still back then. So so phone calls started coming in. The first was from Freddie Roman, uh-huh. the dean of the Friars, who loved his portrait, who left me a message. I love it. I love it. But I have one question. Who is Larry Fine? He didn't know who Larry. He didn't know who Larry. Larry. No, he didn't oh know who Larry. Oh my God! So wow. you know, it's like it's it's a different world than Freddie Freddie's world, you know, which is from Kutcher's and yeah. and the Concord yeah. and and you know that world. So you know, I explained it to him. Then Mickey Freeman called from Bill the old oh, Bill yeah. show. Mickey Freeman, uh, Fielding Zimmerman, the little blonde haired guy. He called. He loved it. Drew, I loved the book. It's fantastic. 
That <laughs> <laughs> sounds just like me. If you, if you remember, Mickey was on Bilko, and he could hardly, you know, he would like like bark out lines. Uh, Sarge, uh, Joan Hogan is is the is the most beautiful girl on the base. You know, he could barely. But but Nat Hiken loved him. You know, because he was a character. But Nat as he, as he became faces. older, he be, he he got he became more British somehow. Hello, Drew. This is Mickey. Well, we got to know Mickey. He was delightful, and he would have been a great guest for you guys. Yeah, he, he sadly been died a couple of years before ago. we started. But it. he he loved the book. In fact, he actually like made it an industry for himself. He like obtained books wholesale from the publisher and would sell them at radio conventions. Love it. That's, ah. a, that's a Gilbert move. Jack up the yes. price. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes, yes. At Chiller move. Theater Cons, he jack up the price because he had me sign my. Uh, in, you know, do signatures that he would paste on the books and jack up the price and sit there with Larry Storch. And then he would get his friends to call me and, and say, we want to be in your next book. So I got, you know, uh, a couple of those old timers like Bobby Ramson. Right. And uh, a few of them like called me and Larry Storch too saying, Drew, I'd love to be in your sequel. And so I put them in the sequel. Of course, I said, when Larry called, I said, it would be an honor. I'd That's love nice. Larry so, Storch at those... I was once at a convention with him. <laughs> yeah, and he wears the Agor. Oh, he hat. sure does. Yeah, he dresses. He dresses the part. He's he's a he's a he terrific guy. A wonderful. Yeah, I love this interview him. with you guys. He's terrific. He's still kicking. He's ninety six. I think we did that interview three years ago when he was ninety three. Yes, and he's still going strong as ever. We yeah. went to his apartment. Yeah, and he showed us. He pointed <clears throat> at the floor. He has these, you know, towels down there, and he goes. I stand on my head yeah. every morning. And he said, he asked the doctor, he said, you know, I'm 93. Should I keep standing on my head now at this age? And the doctor said, if you've been doing it this far, uh, no it reason It makes you to wonder stop. because, you know, he's still kicking. He's still sharp. He, and he's been a vegetarian for a He's been a vegetarian long time. for many. He's, he a beautiful, he's yeah. really a yeah. beautiful guy. He he's is. a vegetarian. He loves animals. He, he used is. to protect the horses. On the set of F Troop, he used to make sure the horses were not abused. But Sweet fellow. The third phone call that came in after the book was sent out, and this was the phone message. Uh, Hello, Drew. This is Jerry Lewis. Please call me back. <laughs> <laughs> so I said to Kathy, oh, shit. Jerry called. He's, he doesn't sound happy. Uh, I was terrified to call him back. We had talked before, and we had nice conversations. But I got up my nerve and called him back. He said, hey, uh, hi, Jerry. So you got the book? He said, yes, true, I got the book. I said, so did you like it? He said, did I like it? Jesus Christ, I loved it. <laughs> Holy moly, what a book. <laughs> so I was, I felt so relieved. And, you know, I've... Like Gilbert, I've had a very good relationship with Jerry mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah. When when I've met him, he's been super generous with me. He would call me and ask what I was working on. He would ask, how, Drew, how do you do what you do? And I would, like, talk about my work. It's like, whoa. I mean, he'd never talk about himself. But I was always a little nervous with him because, you know, there's certain things you, you could never bring up. You know, obviously, you know, Dean Martin was a touchy subject. Yeah. Um, the day the clown didn't cried, want to talk about you didn't Holocaust want to bring story. out, you know, because, you know, he was notorious. If you brought up one little thing, it could end it all. He closed the door in your face. Um, so I, I made sure not to ever bring up day the clown cried. And the third one was Sammy Petrillo. You know, I never, I was curious about, but I never brought it up. And so we got along great. And then my friend Dave Abramson, journalist Dave Abramson, is writing a biography of Sammy Petrillo. And I said, well... You know, I think you should really have Jerry. You should really talk to Jerry because, you know, he's the center. 
<laughs> wow. He's the center he's of the so entire, you know, career of Sammy Petrillo. You don't Petrillo. like this friend very without much, Sam, Without Jerry Lewis, who never would have been. I said, all right. He says, well, do you think you could, you know, talk to... I said, let me call him, and I think I could make it happen. <laughs> so I did. I called. I got up my nerve once again. said, Jerry, uh, I drew. I said, um, I have a friend, journalist. You know, you know I wanted to impress him. Uh, a ger- journalist named David Abramson, Jewish. That's good. Uh, who's writing a book about... <laughs> He's writing a book about, get this, Sammy Petrillo. He goes, and he'd love to talk to you. And he said, Sammy Petrillo, okay, for Drew, for you, I'll talk to him. So Jerry called Dave, Dave back. Dave picked up. He was like, he couldn't believe it. And Jerry said, I have one question for you before we speak. Why would you write a book about Sammy Petrillo? And Dave like said, well, you know, because, you know, it's like such an amazing show business story and this man who wanted to be you and became you in a, in a way in his act and then, you know, moved away from, you know, your world and like, created his own world in, in show business and existed for all the, you know. So Jerry bought it and he talked to him for about 20 minutes about Sammy. So the interview. Now, Sammy, of course, was the, was the Jerry Lewis impersonator. Of course. And um, Sammy's included in my book. Because, you know, he starred in the film with Bela Lugosi, who's also in the book. Yeah. Bela Lugosi meets it's a Brooklyn, Brooklyn girl with, with Duke Mitchell, who's the Dean Martin-ish uh, uh, and, co-star. And it, it's funny because Sammy Petrillo is a clone of Jerry Lewis. It's amazing. It's spooky. It, very scary. I just watched, uh, uh, this is not on YouTube, but there's a, there's a tape of, of Sammy Petrillo with Eddie Cantor from 1952, right after Jerry had discovered him. And it's uncanny. He's on with Eddie Cantor, and the audience really thinks it's Jerry Lewis. It's it's crystal clear. And and uh, Martin and Lewis had him in one of their sketches. They just used him once as like Jerry's little brother. Yeah. Uh, he pops his head out of a suitcase. Jerry put him under contract, but didn't use him beyond that. And that's when Sammy broke off and got the deal to make the movie in Hollywood in the next year, which Jerry was upset about. He never he never talked to him again after that. Uh, the Bela Lugosi film, which is actually a kind of, it's a pretty good film, I think. You know, in fact, William One Shot Bodine? It's actually better than some or several or a mm-hmm. bunch of Martin and Lewis mm-hmm. films. You know, not and, the Frank Tashlin ones, but the early ones. It's actually it, at least on par with it. And then I think Hal, I guess Hal Wallace uh, was the producer of uh, Martin and Lewis. That sounds right. Yeah. 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 And he, at first, was planning on legally putting a stop to uh, Bay Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. And then when he, I guess he saw some clips of it. That's right. And when he saw how bad it was, he thought it's not even worth it. He trouble. had to calm Jerry down because Jerry was livid about it. This is what I know about it. Dean was casual. He said, ah, let the boys have their fun. You know, like who cares? Yeah. Jerry was livid about it. But then the film was so atrocious. I think it played for one weekend in Hollywood, maybe one week. And it was gone. But of course, it's become this huge cult classic. So, you know, Jerry, Jerry, uh, Sammy Patrol's name kept coming up in Jerry's life. So I was really nervous when I called Jerry, said, would you consult to talk? Would you, uh, you know. I'm surprised and, he did. And I heard him. He, he said, I'll do it for you. Oh, nice. You know, so that's, you know, I mean, I was really touched that, yeah. you know, he, he, he trusted me and he was in good hands with Dave because the book is going to be incredible. And, and Dave did a lot of interviews for it, including with Sammy Petrillo himself, hours and hours of interviews. And but, I heard that Sammy Petrillo one time showed up at a show that Jerry Lewis was doing because he was a fan. Yeah. And 
Jerry Lewis found out about it, and he had uh, Petrillo removed. Yeah, there are different versions of that. Supposedly, Jerry's illegitimate daughter was also in the audience oh. that night. I think it was when Peter Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich was interviewing Jerry mm-hmm. in Times Square, and then Sammy was somehow in the front row. It was a completely awkward—I wasn't there, but I heard about it secondhand from a few people. And, you know, yeah. But I think Jerry dealt with it. You know, he kind of ignored the situation. I'm not sure. Now, did you did you meet Sammy Petrillo? Ever, I never Gilbert? met Sammy okay. Petrillo, but although a friend of mine who was a comic, uh, he did a set and he told me Sammy Petrillo was in the audience. Uh, he was like whatever, third rate producer uh, wannabe or agent nice. wannabe, whatever. Nice. And he went up to my friend. And he said, you know, I'd like you to be involved with the TV show movie I'm I'm putting together. And and the guy goes, uh, well, what? Could you tell me a little about it? And he goes, well, I don't want to tell you too much because I don't want someone to steal the idea from me. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Sammy. Sammy claimed he invented the Munsters. He came yes. up with the concept yes. of the Munsters. Yeah, that I hadn't he, heard that. He yes. wrote a script called My Father the Monster. Yes. He yes. claimed. Really yes. He, he had a lot of claims. He also claimed that he was going to be signed to make 52 movies with Mitchell and Petrillo. <laughs> but Martin <laughs> Lewis broke up, so the act, you know, the, I, you know, it's like, you know, they couldn't sell it after that. But fifth, <laughs> he came up with the number 52 movies he was going to make. Well, well, before I forget, one, guys. The first one made so much money that they had. Oh, wait a oh, second. This is Drew I brought just, a prop. I just got this. I got, you can't see it, unfortunately. I just got this in the mail today. Is that Uncle Milton? It's a Milton Bro puppet from 1950. Oh, we'll have to put this it's, on social it's media. Why is, why is he black? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Godfrey Cambridge. He has an age. Well, I guess up. he's got. I, I, I thought it was. <laughs> he moved to Palm Springs, I think wow. that's the thing. But I thought my, it was Obama. This is like, you know. <laughs> I have I have friends, including Frank, who send me things from my ju- my. Oh, yeah, com- I was going to ask you my comedy museum. How was the museum? So my friend John Wendler just sent me this. I just got it today. I had to bring it in for the show. It's beautiful. The Milton Borough puppet. We'll put this up. We'll get Frank. It's very rare. This and we'll put it up on social media. It's, oh, it's, no, a, be- it's no, a thing no, of beauty. I, I've heard they're making them more and more. And more. It's a, as, <laughs> as Kathy pointed out, it's not anatomically correct, but. <laughs> You get the idea. I was thinking of, you know, we're in Times Square. I was thinking of stopping by and getting a giant dildo to stick. You should have. But it's. Yeah. All right. Let's there you do go. that. He's going to put his. Let's do yeah, that. Get your, All right. Yeah. And, Drew is putting on the Uncle Milty puppet. Please indulge me for. for you realize this is radio, right? We're, feel, doing, we're doing Edgar Bergen's I, act. I feel over like O.J. Simpson. So, so we're about does, to do a dick joke on radio. <laughs> I feel like O.J. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Uncle. Yeah. I don't know why his hands are red. Can you it's figure? Yeah. No, it's strange. Well, he's black and his hands are red. Kathy wondered why strange. no cigar. It's I like said Uncle Milty in the Mask of the Red Death. It's pretty disturbing, isn't it? It's frightening. Yeah. But Very. I love. It. I love it. How is the Museum? Tell, uh, you got all kinds. Coming tell, along beautifully. Tell people and, what's in there. Well, uh, you know, Kevin Doherty, who you're going to be doing a mini episode with, yes. is Kevin filming is a documentary about my me, my life and career, uh, Vermeer of the Borscht Belt. So he's going to be filming inside the Jewseum. The Jewseum is my personal collection of Jewish comedian artifacts, uh, Jewish comedians from the past. So, You'll have to show it publicly again because the last time yeah. you did it was wonderful. Well, he's going to, you know, it's, it's he's saving it for the film and it's going to, I think it's going to conclude the film. Um do you have any Gilbert Gottfried ephemera in that uh, museum? Gilbert is too young to include. Oh, but, uh, about that Gil? And, I should pick up some Gilbert swag when he passes. Socks. When and, he becomes sixty-five, I'll pick up some swag. And I'm I'm <laughs> I'm way too gentile. <laughs> I don't have. 
I haven't. I haven't. No, I don't have any Gilbert uh, stuff in the museum. I don't have anything from Jeff Ross. No, none of the younger people. But uh, it's mostly celebrating the old timers. You know. Did you get the Jerry Lewis thing? I I, I sent. I you do. That's Jerry on Lewis display. Yeah, program. Frank sent me a great Jerry Lewis uh, brochure yeah. uh, uh, program from one of his shows with that Jerry Lewis caricature that Jerry hey, used for did, seventy years. Do you have how? What was that show he did? That horrible failure. That was like three hours unscripted. Well, the Jerry Lewis show? Which failure? Yeah, most the, of his TV work. Were, the were, one on Hollywood Boulevard where they took over the theater and they put all the Jerry. I, they yeah, they it, had the Jerry Lewis Theater. Tiles. Jerry Lewis Theater. Yeah. yeah that was Do you have old, any of those, those Jerry the Lewis ones. tiles? Uh, I don't have a tile, oh. no. No. I have a lot of Jerry Lewis stuff. I have a Jerry Lewis... Um, a uh, Well, I have a, a Jerry Lewis ring. I have a Jerry Lewis matchbooks. I have a Jerry Lewis. Uh, uh, what's the? Uh, uh, it'll come to me. A lot of Jerry Lewis stuff. I love the Jerry Lewis ephemera. You know, I love that even more than his films. Actually, yeah. You know, the films have their moments, but the ephemera I just absolutely adore. When did you start this collection? You know, I had it. I had a lot of stuff when I was a kid, but then it just started building up. Right. And then uh, when I had my show at the Society of Illustrators yeah. for my old old Jewish comedian artwork, we thought we'd fill it out with some ephemera in their cabinets. Which uh, so I had the stuff, and then I started acquiring more either f- through eBay or through friends. So it's like dolls so it's and board up. games and board and, games, and dolls, magazine covers, toys, toys, magazines, the yeah. entire magazines, record, uh, lots of record covers, right, records right, right, like right, right. hundreds of records, um, uh, shoelaces. I have a. a Pee wee, pee wee. Uh, what's it? Pinky Lee? Pinky Lee shoelaces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, Joey Bishop deck of cards, things like that. Right. You know the the, the weirder we, things. Yeah, we got to make a pilgrimage to the house uh, we and have see this to. stuff. Now, now we. Um, it's near the Mount Airy uh, Casino, we'll so come. you know when next time you play there, stop by. If if you showed this to me, I I have to apologize, but do you have? The Frankenstein cufflinks and tie <laughs> clips. I don't have the cufflinks. I have a, a lot. I, this stuff is put away or it's in like, you know, in storage now. But I have Big Frankie, the Aurora model. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Still built. Yeah. That's cool. I have a, a Frankenstein wallet. Remember they were selling the wallets? Oh, yeah. Like what kind of executive or businessman would wear a Frankenstein, would carry a Frankenstein? Remember they had the belt clips too in Famous Monsters? Oh, that's right. With Frankenstein's head on the belt clip. You know what I never got? <laughs> well, I got that they were just trying to use their old model molds and yeah. squeeze more money out of it. <clears throat> Was with the Aurora models. They had their classics, you know, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Dracula monsters. And then they started coming out yes. with the hot rod monsters, <laughs> which was all these monsters, but with a car. Was like the that, Big Daddy Roth stuff? Well, they were popular. Kind so, of, you know, know. They, it was like you know, the monster purists, like. You and I, we didn't. I didn't like the hot rod. I didn't say, no. "Why is Frankenstein in a if a filster or a flipster or something like that?" Oh yeah, Dracula's dragster, and I think Wolfman wagon. Or yeah, something. I didn't. Like, but why did why did we have a problem with that? But not with the monsters. No, yeah. that yeah. was okay. But, and and John Carradine once popped up. On well, he was Uncle. He was he Mr. Gate. He was Mr. Gate. He was the boss more than and, once. At the, at the, <laughs> more than and once. The and Uncle creature, Gilbert, of course. Yes. Yes. The creature of the now, black. What did Lagoon. you think of that when you were a kid and saw Uncle Gilbert show oh, up? Oh my God, that was one of those amazing. <laughs> like made for you. He said, and "What Thank was God his Sammy line? Petrillo created this show. What was Uncle Gilbert's line when he took off his coat? 
Ooh. I got to get into something a little wetter. He said, let something me take off wet, my, uh, my coat and get into, into something, something wetter. Wet. Yeah. Great. And this <laughs> is a story I've told before, but I remember I used to read in Famous Monsters of Filmland about that episode of Car- uh, Route 66 with Cheney, Lago- Cheney Karloff and Laurie. And I would look every day in the papers to see, because they would rerun it every day. And and I would look every day. And the one day I didn't look, uh-huh. that's the day they showed that episode. Yeah. And that was dramatic. We talk about this because yeah. I didn't see it either when it first ran. And saw it years later, I think with you. Yeah. And it wasn't very good. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it it was promising when Cheney comes in as uh, I think the hunchback. Oh yeah, to his, to his son's room and kisses him on the head. I think it was yeah. like and and then Peter Laurie, What was he wasn't even a monster ever. So he just they put a big black hat on his head. Yes, it, it's <laughs> at, at at the end they're supposed to come out as their classic right. monsters. I mean, he, so Karloff's in full Frankenstein. Well, makeup. they put the head on him, but he's still an old man, so uh, that never yes. quite worked. And then uh, Cheney comes out in his Wolfman makeup. And then Laurie is wearing a top hat. And, and, you know, they scream when each one comes out. And Laurie comes out in the top hat. And I figured at least put in a line where Laurie says, I'm not wearing uh, monster makeup. Yeah, you know, I don't remember any film he was ever in where he wore a top hat. And he was in a lot of horror films. But or never, really any make monster man. No, he of. never played him. He played well. He played. He could have dressed him as Mister Wong, maybe. You know, that would have been. <laughs> different. I think in those even those Corman pictures, I don't remember him wearing. No, a top he was hat. always himself. I think yeah. he he wouldn't allow it. Yeah. No, he didn't wear a top hat. I yeah. think Vincent Price wore top hats in the Corman films. But. And so it's like <laughs> an an old a fat old man and a top hat basically, and then he out. died. I think that was one of his last. I think he was in the Patsy after that, the Jerry Lewis, oh, and that oh, killed yes. him. I I heard and Carradine. Peter Laurie at that point, he was just thrilled to get any work yeah. to throw at him. And he did the Patsy, and that was the one he hated doing. That was his last film, I believe, 64. I think he died shortly after and I that. Th- right, when did he make Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea? That was right around that. Well, the movie? Yeah. That was, in the, right. that was earlier. That was, that uh, yeah, the movie was, the TV show started, I think, 65, 66, something like that. But the movie was earlier. So you waited... In anticipation for this yes. episode, and then when it finally aired, yeah. you said, this is shit. And Because I was watching it going, <laughs> you've got these three. How could you make something bad with these three? You got to. That's true. But, you know, because they show photos in Famous Monsters, and that was a problem. Not a problem, but we'd see photos of from Plan 9 from Outer Space in Famous Monsters magazine. And the photos look terrific. Vampire and Tor Johnson oh, yes. coming towards the camera. And I thought when I was a kid, and I'm sure Gilbert agrees, that when we finally see this film, it's going to be the most amazing film. Because look at those photos. Look at the footage at the beginning of Chiller Theater. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the word got out that it was the worst movie ever made, which, it's, which is, of course, it isn't. It's not. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's one of the best, to my mind, one of the best films ever made for many reasons. But those fo- the footage of those people prowling around in the graveyard, even though it was plotless, you know, Vampire had no script. You know, she was just raising her hands, walking to her. You know, they're still probably, they still haunt my dreams. And I remember at the beginning of those chiller movies and everything, 
they would have like clips from everything. That yeah, all look like these were well, great. All, all shitty, like the shittier films, like like Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. Oh yes, and Dracula's Daughter. All those AP films, uh, American International films. They that, had like I forget which movie. The she Demons. But they, they had a guy in a really shitty girl. Yeah, suit. like raising his hands, like I, that's on YouTube. It you might have been Bob that. Burns. Oh, it could have been. <laughs> shitty gorilla suit. Yeah, he of shitty the movies. The, Meryl Marco, just back to Meryl for a second. The first, her first published work actually appeared in Horror Monsters magazine in 1962. She wow. wrote a letter to Horror Monsters. Love it. And they printed a letter and printed a photo of her and her brother. She's wearing a vampire mask. But if you remember Horror Monsters, Gilbert, you, should, you probably remember Horror Monsters. Its sister publication was Mad Monsters. They were really shitty, shitty Famous Monsters of Filmland imitations. They were so shitty that the paper was yellow when you bought the magazine. Oh, yes. It was like, over, and, the, and the photos were all faded, you know, already. They looked like they were, you know, it was like the worst quality paper. They smelled bad. But I, I, used, to, I used to buy them. So I remembered I, her letter. I liked when <laughs> That's um, cool. Famous Monsters did this. And it's something that Dear Abby did, too. Well, naturally. And it's what they have in common. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love Corey Ackerman com- and compared. Dear Abby. <laughs> By popular demand, we're reprinting. Ah. And so they would, uh, you know, she'd reprint letters. Right. That allegedly these readers mm-hmm. were demanding. <laughs> right. She reprinted. You asked for it. And and yeah, you axed. Well, no, you axed for it. Were people who were axing for? <laughs> uh, can you please show that picture yeah. of uh, from Frankenstein right. meets the Wolfman? I gotta see. Do those people actually exist? Were people really writing Probably them? Probably not. You gotta reprint that photo from Frankenstein's daughter. And and or... then they'd reprint <laughs> entire. Articles, yeah, the exa- and then entire issues they were reprinted. They oh, got yes. they got so lazy. But did you know? Far, Far- I've heard that Forrest Ackerman was a nudist. Had you heard that? <laughs> was a what? A, a nudist. nudist. A nudist. I mean, he was a lot of things. But I heard he was a nudist. Oh Lord! So I would imagine that he, him inviting Tor Johnson to the nudist colony for a weekend, <laughs> and what you know, I wanted to do a comic strip about that, and I still might. Oh, you have to. Oh, God. I, you know, Last taking... time we talked about Tor showing up on You Bet Your Life. Oh, well, you've seen is... that footage, right? Yeah. Oh, Tor yeah. Johnson. It was fantastic. It was 1960. The best thing ever. It, it's great. They, there's a, a edited version of it on YouTube, but I used to have the whole thing. It's pretty amazing. Do you have anything to ask Croucho about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think Groucho erased it from his memory. Yeah. But, um, and now, now... I do have another question for Groucho. Okay. Okay. Groucho... <laughs> Groucho, why did you hold up Trump's decapitated head? <laughs> because Chico needed money. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to see Groucho I was holding. Wondering Trump's about that. Head. All right, that clear that clarifies that. Let me ask you a couple of questions and get these out of the way. These sure. are from fans. Grill, grill the guest. We do this on Patreon. Um, uh, Marion Aves or A V E S. Marion Aves or Avis. Uh, I don't know if you, you can even answer this one, but take a stab at it. Of all the classic mad artists, Drucker, Jaffe, Wolverton, Jack Davis, your friend, Sergio, who's also your friend, um, uh, these are the ones he lists anyway. Uh, do you have a particular favorite artist? His name is Marion, this guy? Marion, it might be. Uh, Marion? Oh, uh, M-A-R-I-O-N. Okay. Uh, do I have a it, favorite mad artist? Marion may be a, f- a female. 
She may be a she. I don't think I, you know, I love them all so much, like you do, Frank. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mort Drucker is a god to me. I wanted to be, I wanted to draw like Mort Drucker, and I did for a couple of years. But also Jack Davis and Don Martin and Al Jaffe, and the list goes on. And they become friends. And I don't want to, yeah. And some of them, like meeting them later on when I became a mad contributor was such a thrill as you know, and and those guys were just all terrific, all sweet yeah, we and had generous. Alan here. He's, he's just the best. Al is amazing. He's 96. He's yeah. as sweet as can be, and he's still kicking. Mort Drucker's still around. Yes. I don't know how well he's doing. He's out on Long Island? He is. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I got, I'll tell this story quickly. I got a call. No, I got an email from a guy writing. He said, I'm writing an obituary for Mort Drucker. I'd like you to talk about Mort. I said, holy shit, did Mort die? He goes, no, no, we write these obituaries ahead of time. I said, oh, okay. That's like I got nervous. So, you know, I talked about Mort, and I think I was very eloquent. So I was thinking, like, well, I can't wait for this to run. And then I thought, like, wait a minute. I don't want, <laughs> I can't wait for it to run. I don't want this to run. I don't want, I don't want Mort. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't want Mort Trucker to die. He's the best. So I have, I'm torn. I have mixed feelings about this. How should I feel about that? I don't know. So Yeah, here's another one quick. This is from our friend Eric Fusco, and he, uh, he knows that he follows you on Facebook, so he knows that you're obsessed. I know, Eric. You're obsessed with odd couple combinations, obscure well, odd I couple. I did a whole b- uh, uh, blog about yes. it. Yes. Yes. So which odd couple combo would you most like to have seen perform the play live? Oh, well, you know, there's so many. Uh, Arnold Stang and Milt Kamen. I would have killed to <laughs> see that. You know about these, Gil? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, obviously on Broadway this. was Art Carney. Yeah, and the Mathau. original were Art Carney and Walter Matthau. And then Eddie Bracken came in. And and Jack Klugman actually did an early version with Eddie Bracken. And, and then I think, because uh, they asked him to do the TV show, did Mickey Rooney Mickey play? Rooney and Tony Randall actually did it in Las Vegas. Yeah. Wow. I become an expert on this. You can wow. try to Give me some other ones. Weirdest comedy. Well, Jamie Farr and William Christopher. Yeah, I knew about that one. It. Gary Bergdorf did it. Some of them like would appear like like Joe Flynn did one, but they didn't mention who the co-star was because mm. he was such a big star. Same with Frank Sutton. He did a version. Frank Sutton. You know, I assume he was Oscar. I assume he was Oscar, but they don't even mention who played Felix. They just got like some local actor because these were like dinner theater combinations. But of course, the one that you know I wish was filmed or I'd kill to see was Don Rickles and Ernest Borgnine. Wow. They did it? They did it, and it was actually directed by Danny Simon, Neil Simon's brother. Incredible. It played in Las Vegas. That one I would, you know, kill to see. There you oh go, Eric. Oh, my and, God. And Borgnine was Oscar, and, and Rickles was Felix. But, there's, you know, the strangest combinations they come, came up with over the years. Oh, it was how such great a popular play. Be? And then there were black versions. John Amos did one. Oh, really? Yeah, Who I have that. That's on the blog. I think he. It was also one where it wasn't a famous guy. They don't. Tell he you also anything. did Norman. Is that you? I know about that before before Red Fox did right, it in the movie. Right, right. And then, and, uh, of course, uh, Damon Wilson and right, Ron, Ron Glass. Glass. Ron yeah, Glass on did TV. It for TV. And then there was one. Someone sent my Cliff Nestorhoff sent me an article about uh, talking. It was an article interviewing Marlon Brando in 1968. Okay. Okay, Marlon, what are some of your upcoming projects? And well, I'm thinking of doing uh, the Odd Couple with Wally Cox. As a, as a, as a, you know, up in Hollywood. <laughs> as I, I reprinted the article in my blog, but that didn't happen. Can you imagine? No, Wally Cox. Surreal. No, Wally Cox. They're not. They it should have happened. Can you, ima- <laughs> Can you oh, imagine no. what would have been going on backstage? How about just Olivier and Sir Ralph Richardson doing well, it? Well, Olivier and Danny and Danny Kay would have been right. great. Perfect. That's now, right. Now they you were not. Probably have seen this photo. Uh, uh, the well. The, the director of my 
my documentary, Gilbert. Uh, Neil Berkeley. Neil Berkeley. As you forget his name. As I forget his name. <laughs> uh, showed me a photo on the internet that is allegedly Brando sucking Wally Cox's dick. Well, okay. Well, there, there is a famous photo of Brando doing that. But it's not necessarily Wally Cox. Oh my God! Now the, that photo was supposed to be included in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've got Brando sucking a cock. Yes, but yes. There is a, a famous photo that was supposed to be included in the first Hollywood Babylon book, but Kenneth Anger, the author, the, the guy who put that together, <laughs> did not include the photo for for maybe legal reasons or something. <laughs> But there is no proof that it's that penis belonged to Wally Cox. So were a lot of people saying, "Hey, that's not Wally Cox." <laughs> well, you know, you know, people in the know would have you, said, "Sir, are you kidding? That's not Wally Cox." Uh, yeah. I knew Wally Cox. I knew Wally Cox, and that sir is not I Wally Cox's dick. I worked with Wally Cox, and that is not his. <laughs> that is not Mr. Peeper's cock. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk real quick, too, about uh, uh, your Heroes of the Comics books, which are terrific. Thank you, Frank. Uh, oh, can I ask you, have you ever met Don Martin? No, you cannot ask me that. No. no I, actually, I did. I, ta- I, talked, I talked to him once. Yeah. His wife called and said, I'm going to put Don on. So he was like in, amazingly quiet. He, you know, he's such a, his work is so wild and out there and crazy yeah. and fanatic and, and so much energy. I could hardly get a word out of the guy. He was like almost silent, but he was very sweet. So I talked to him once, and he sent me a great cartoon of uh, a guy with uh, warts all over his face, and the caption, the balloon says, who the hell is Tor Johnson? That was it. Oh, I, <laughs> I had that hanging up in my house, but I never got to meet him. He died shortly after, yeah. but he was oh, he went he blind too, so he had to, you know, he went to Cracked Magazine, which was kind of an, uh, like a come down for I, him. I remember too... And I think it was a major, like, fuck you to Mad Magazine because when Cracked, I remember seeing that issue of Cracked and the cover said featuring work by Don Martin. Oh, yeah, they were making a big deal out of yeah. him coming over to, to, to crack. Did yeah. you know him, Gil? Did you meet him? I never met him. It no, I always well, he liked lived, his... He lived in Florida, and he was just not a gregarious guy. He was just very low-key. You could hardly get a word out of him. So, but the, as far as the heroes of the comics book, uh, Don Martin's not in there because he never actually did work sure, for comics. Sure, but a lot books. of the mad guys are. Yeah, well, yeah, Al Jaffe Rutgers began his career as an editor for Marvel Comics, right. understandly, for, for Timely Comics. Yeah. He was the editor of Patsy Walker. For, and, and Drucker, of course, drew uh, Martin and Lewis comics. You've got and Gaines and Honeymooners, Feldstein in there. And Bill Gaines was in there and Al Feldstein and a lot of legends like Stan Lee. And Jack Kirby, who just turned 100, and Siegel and Schuster, who invented um, Superman when they were teenagers in Cleveland, are included. It's in these a books. sad story, Siegel and Schuster. Yeah, because they know? got like a couple of hundred. Well, actually, did they, for, for the character, they got very little, but they were well employed for about a decade by National Comics. Um, but then they broke off for weird reasons, like legal hassles and things. And then one of them wound up blind. The other one wound up as a uh, as a as messenger boy or something for you know. Um, it was very sad at the end, but then finally DC capitulated and gave them a stipend. But only a year only in the seventies when the Superman yeah after movie the, they came got out. The, under the pressure from a lot of comics professionals and some other people, including Eli Wallach, some strange people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, got behind this campaign to get these two poor old sad forgotten guys credit 
on the Superman movie and Forever After, and also to to get them some money for this character they created that was making billions of dollars for for national for for Warner Communications. It's sort of a recurring theme in the book, a, re- a recurring motif is how many of these guys. I mean, the book is wonderful in so many ways. The first book and and the second one as well. But one of the things that keeps coming up is is the sadness is how many of these guys either lost control of their babies. It's, it's just, true. It was it was a theme. Or and what happened to Bill Finger? Well, and Jerry a lot of them Robinson. had like sad, but a lot of them were content. They did well. Like Jack Kirby, he may have had a nice career. He yeah. was content. A lot of them did well or did okay. They did fine. They they worked in the business. They loved the business. Um, a guy like, but then there's a guy like Bob Kane who right. was canny. He like acquired the rights to Batman right off the bat, and after that, hired artists, hired writers to do all the work. Because his his he didn't have he had limited uh, drawing abilities to begin with and writing abilities. So another guy, Bill Finger, actually created all that stuff you know about Batman and and you know the whole legend of Batman. Mm-hmm. Created Robin, etc. And but the, the, to Bob Crane's credit, he did create Courageous Cat and Minute Mouse. We'll give him that one. And then he wrote the Marty Allen and oh yes, <laughs> Batman and Reuben, Batman and Reuben, which is about eleven minutes long, and it's one of the worst albums ever. But he takes full credit for writing that on the back cover. He's now, he's now, proud of that. Do you know? <laughs> and I always get it confused. I guess it's uh, Noah, uh, Noah Blank. Mel Blank's yeah, son. Yeah, I think it's Noel. Noel. No, Noel, Noel Blank. Noel Blank, yep. So yeah. what, whatever happened to him? What did he do? Him, I don't know. You know, Mel, I know Mel Blank was pushing him to take over when he retired or, or died, to take over the Warner Brothers characters. So he's pushing Noel to imitate Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Porky Pig, all those characters. It somehow it didn't happen. Billy West got that gig, obviously. Yeah, and others. A few people. But I think I, I'm, Jeff I'm not. Bergman. I'm not sure Noel had enough. I mean, he wasn't his father. Yeah. So you know, I thought. I think Mel thought it was just a natural progression. One oh. of the other sad stories is Carl Burgess, the guy who created the Human Torch. Too. Yeah, another, sad. He created I, the Human Torch, which another. was revived, you know, in the '60s in the Fantastic Four, unbeknownst to Carl Burgess. Carl Burgess wound up drawing for those. Uh, those shitty worn imitation magazines like Weird and Voodoo, Tales oh, of Voodoo. yes. He wound up drawing and editing for those publications. Kind of sad. But he's in the book because, you know, he was a super talented artist. But he just kind of got the shaft and, you know, it was kind of sad how he wound up. Now, this is a little off that subject, but do you have anything <laughs> to ask oh, Groucho no. yes. about Wally Cox? <laughs> 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 Subtle. <laughs> I don't have a, a I, I don't have a question for Groucho about that, but I do have one final cre- question for Groucho. Okay. Okay, Groucho. Why did you cut your six sons out of your will? Because needed money. That explains it. <laughs> With that. Now, now, is it true that Jerry Lewis's illegitimate daughter is homeless? That's what I've read uh, in Philadelphia. She roams around. It sounds like she's kind of, you know, maybe not as, you know, like uh, in control of her faculties. Does, does she often go, I assume so. You know, you'd have to assume so. You don't need a DNA test. They say she's crazy. She just does They say she's crazy, so maybe she does. But, you know, you know, I look, I hear about this. It's like, come on, she's making it up. But then I look at her face and say, yeah, she looks like Jerry, you know. I don't know if he denied it. I think he actually like helped support her, raise her, 
or uh, gave her money or gave her mother money when uh, she was growing up. So it wasn't like he turned his back or anything. Now, there was some <laughs> article, I didn't see where it was, though, that said how she found out that Jerry was dead. Oh, I didn't hear that. No. But, you know, her mother was a showgirl, and Jerry, you know, got around, yeah. you know, he made, you know, when back in the day. And uh, so, you know, anything's possible. I don't know much about her. I guess she'd be a good guest. Uh, yeah. You'd have to, like, <laughs> pick her up. You'd have to find her. On I don't this. think it's going to happen. You'd have to find her in Philadelphia and drive her up here and feed her. Did and, Jerry tell you he was going to outlive George Burns? Yes, he told Drew, I'm going to, uh, my goal is to outlive Milton Berle and George Burns and make 100 years old. And it's like he didn't quite. Well, he made it to ninety-one. He made it. He was in failing. When I when Jerry first called me, you know, it was like, oh my god, I knew he was going to call because I did a tribute to him in the New York Observer, basically asking for the Academy Awards to give him a special Oscar. It was a full page piece. Mm -hmm. Jerry saw it and called me the next day, and the editor of the Observer, Peter Kaplan, told me Jerry's going to call you, and I was like, you know, so thrilled. Jerry called. We had a great conversation, but being Jerry Lewis. He had to put me to a test. So he said, Drew, what did I invent? And I was thinking, oh, shit, what did he invent? He was like, the pressure was on. And then that just hit me. Video assist. That's right, video assist. And that's all I care about being remembered for, video assist. And video assist, of course, is the yes. you know yeah, the process of just videotaping your scene before you film it, which he, he did on uh, the set of uh, the, uh, uh, the Bellboy, right? Yeah, the bellboy. The bellboy. In 1960. So, you know, so I was off the hook. Very relieved. I found this in doing my research uh, on you. And yes, I did research, even though I've known you, what, 30 years now? I think we date back that long. Something yes. like this. Yes. This was on now, one of the... Now, Dr- hang, be, hang on, if, Gil. If, if I may jump in. Go ahead. Let him, let him jump. <laughs> Go ahead. If, if I may jump <laughs> This in. is about you, though. <laughs> let him jump. Do you... <laughs> do you have... Anything. I know what's coming. <laughs> to ask Groucho about Montgomery Cliff's dick. <laughs> Groucho, why did you attempt to suck Montgomery Cliff's dick? Because Chico needed some money. God, he must have really needed some money. Wow. Well, he was a gambler, right? <laughs> I thought he was going to go for uh, Andy Devine and Clark Gable there. Oh, uh, well. He, he threw him up. I don't he, know. He did, a, tr- well, we he did thought, a sudden we, turn on me. There's actually another. Uh, Gilbert, do you, know, do you know who had the largest pornography collection in Hollywood? Bud Abbott. Oh, you knew that. Okay. Oh, yes. wow. Supposedly Bud Abbott and Lou Costello both had huge Didn't pornography pause. collections. Um, <laughs> and the, but the biggest, according to the FBI reports, was Red Skelton. Wow. Really Did good. you ever know that? Cool. See, that doesn't good, surprise good trivia. me. Yeah. Because I heard with Ritz Skelton, like during his rehearsals, he was incredibly obscene. Ah. And then that's why sometimes I'll crack up on the show <laughs> when he'll start to do a bit. Yeah. Because they'll remember from the rehearsal. Uh, you know, Jamie Farr told us he was very bawdy off yeah. camera. That's well, nice to Red know. Skelton. But he had the, the largest collection of pornography, film and photos in Hollywood. This is great. According to the FBI. And Abbott and Costello each had their individual collections. 
which were also like substantial, well, which we, I think they lost, you know, when the IRS confiscated their- We might know. get sued yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I found in the comments section while I was doing research and you were being interviewed. I heard it. Bud Abbott used to <laughs> shit on- All right. <laughs> no, that's not true. And neither did Jerry Lewis. It was uh, it was Danny Thomas and, and Otto Preminger. That's all I got. <laughs> now they would- you know they would. They would I love auto premises. They would un, lay under the coffee table. Yeah. We got to get this straight, <laughs> because someday there's going to be a, a glass coffee table book about this subject. It's yes. going to be an inquiry. We got to, and there's a lot of witnesses. You know, it's like a Rauschenman type deal. There's a lot of witnesses to it. Sort of like the, the Milton Berle, Forrest Tucker. Uh, I'm going to read this if it kills me. Okay. This was in the comment section under uh, a blog or a, a website where you were doing an interview, and I'm I'm scrolling down and I'm reading the comments, and everyone's saying Drew's a genius, and I love Drew's work, and I don't know how he does that. And then I get down to this comment, and this guy says, <laughs> "I heard Gilbert Gottfried used to show up at Mad every month to get a free magazine." Well, <laughs> you got to ask. Uh, they got pictures on the uh, on yeah. the wall of Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert, how, I, how I, do you I wouldn't plead? Show up every month. Okay. No, I would like show up after not being there for. You a were few getting months. issues for your kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Before you had kids, then oh. I'd say what. Uh, what issue uh, right. was the last one I got? Well, you're looking for older issues so you could sell them and, on eBay, right? Oh, and at... Um, Lampoon. Oh, this, yeah, at Lampoon, I used to pick up not just old Lampoons, yeah. but I think they... The heavy metals, right? Yeah, heavy metal. Oh, yeah, yeah. heavy yeah. metal. Yeah. yeah. And um, like like an idiot, I... I all the times I've been up to DC Comics, yeah. I never took really? like a thousand copies of the one that <laughs> Superboy won, that Superman one. You did. Wrote. That's a missed opportunity. But when you got the heavy metals in Nash Lampoon's home, did you sell them on the sidewalk? Is that what no? I wasn't that bright. Oh, because oh, I should the Super have. Boys, you wrote, was it a Superboy comic or a, super- uh, the, a Superman comic? Superman. Those they're yeah. available. I think I saw them. Online, yeah, it's probably a thousand dollars. No, it's well, a it couple depends. bucks. It's it probably like yeah. fifty cents. I now. sold all my comic books off years ago. I had huge stacks of them. I said, "What am I going to do with this shit?" Oh, they're yeah. going, they're turning yellow. So I sold them all off for five hundred dollars about about twenty five years ago. Because we had a small apartment, the, the apartment Gilbert used to visit in the East Village. So they were just, you know, Kathy and I just said, like, you know, we don't want to crate this stuff around anymore because we were moving to the country. I just sold them off. I kept a couple of samples, but I just sold them off. So. Before we go, do you want to say anything about Francis Bavier? Well, you know, it's like people are obsessed with her taint. Can you? Uh, I don't know why that is. It's Francis Who Bavier. Who are these people? Well, they're both, you know, Facebook friends and the like, relatives. I see. Uh, She's come up. On this show, now, now Francis Bobby, Clint Howard, talking. She and Andy Griffith hated each other. I, I did, that I did not know. They did, Apparently. yeah, really. Apparently. Francis Bobbier, she came up because they, they, you know, one of these face, face phony Facebook posts or online posts. They came up with a photo of uh, Gloria DeHaven from 1948, um, saying. Here's Francis Bavier in 1936, and it was a sexy Gloria de Haven in a, ba- in, a, in a bathing suit. So I knew instantly it wasn't, uh, you know, Francis Bavier. So I did the research and like found photos of Francis Bavier when she was young. She looked like you would expect her to look. But I also drew a picture of her <laughs> in a bikini. It. I drew a picture of her well. for an Andy Borowitz piece in TV Guide of her in a bikini. I so I included that in the blog to look. Look, here's what a sexy Francis Bavier looks. 
like. So you can see it if you go to my, if you if you if you Google Francis Barbier Drew Friedman, you can see the image. See, it's <laughs> it's like I'd heard that Andy Griffith and her immediately hated each other. Uh, well, she was a, a refined stage actress from Broadway. And he was like, uh, you know, a kind of a, uh, you know, he was a, a, a comedian doing the Huckleberry Hound voice. Uh, you and know. and that in the, when they did the TV movie, like Back to Mayberry uh, or something, uh, they had all the old, they even had Otis the Drunk, yeah. although he oh, wasn't yeah. a drunk anymore. Oh, they sobered him up, really? Yeah. yeah. yeah they cleaned uh, up why would they do Otis. that? That's sad. And and you Howard, know Howard Sprague even yeah uh, everyone who was alive right Gomer had, Pyle, but it starts off <laughs> with a funeral. Ah, uh, which it's Andy standing over the gravestone. Oh, uh, Francis of of uh, Aunt B. Was she dead at the time, or they she just she was not? alive oh. at the time? Oh wow, and that hurt. It's yeah. a to make it hurt even worse. Uh. Uh, he's hearing her voice talking to him, and the, they got an imitator. Oh wow! Going, Andy, make sure uh, Billy to West. brush your teeth and <laughs> cut your hair. Oh, what a nightmare! I did watch that. I don't remember that, but I remember I remember Gomer Pyle being working working back at the gas station, and I thought, what a come down! I mean, he was like a respected marine. You thought he was. Go- <laughs> you thought he was really going places. Had a military career. Yeah, he was yeah. like you know he was really okay. going places, here's, and then he's back at the Philly. How did that happen? And the other rumor. thing was oh. Ronnie Howard played Opie, but he's all bald with a big comb over, yes. and Andy still has the big thick head of hair. How did that happen? Oh, well, but, you know what I remember from right. that is that when he sees when he sees uh, Opie. And they both shake each other's hand. And I'm saying, no, no, they, they, why aren't they hugging each uh, other? Yeah. This is uh, Sheriff Taylor <laughs> and his son, Opie. They should be think? hugging. It's an outrage. They hadn't seen each other for years? or Yeah. It was like Opie left Mayberry for some reason and yeah, came he, back? He became like an editor of a oh, newspaper. Oh, so he had to leave. Yeah. Oh, in Mount Pilot? Publisher. Yeah. It's like when, Fred, when Red, Red Fox left Sanford and Son. All of a sudden, it's like why would why would he leave? And all of a sudden, Lamont is living with Grady. It's like it never made sense to me. <laughs> I know the, the Sanford they Arms. Seem, they seem so close, right? Right? Yeah, right? And then they brought in Delores. It just okay. never it never clicked. Here's, here's a here's a story. <laughs> I no heard. ending to this episode. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Here's here's a story. He doesn't I like heard. to rap. This is the final that, story. That Francis Bouvier. Bavier. Bavier. <laughs> you put her in the Kennedy <laughs> family. <laughs> 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 I, I really am still crying over the think, death I, of my cousin JFK. I think I think Peter Lawford <laughs> fucked her. Isn't that possible, Frank? It's possible. Yeah. I know well, everyone that... <laughs> responsible for his death. So well, Francis Bavier, <laughs> I heard, became a recluse, and she was one of those that like owned a thousand cats. Ah. And that <laughs> like she, Sandy Dennis. She had been Ouch. dead Bad. for a while before they found her. Nice. And that the cats were oh, eating, eating her, her dead. Oh no. That's a nice thought. <laughs> I have her Is that I, what we're going out on? I have her I have the Francis Bavier cookbook. Do you know do, now, you, do you have that? No. It exists. <laughs> 
It's like all her recipes, and somehow they license the Andy Griffith show because it's like Andy and Opie and 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 Aunt B eating on the cover and stuff. But you know, I've gotten some good recipes out of it, and and <laughs> most of them are for cat food, <laughs> right? Now, now, do you want to never heard Groucho about the death of Francis Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> If you could change one thing about the world, Drew, what would it be? Oh uh, well, uh, Jesus Christ! You, you, you know you, you know you answered this. Someone answered. Someone uh, asked you this. One thing about the world, you, I, I you would, know what you said. I wouldn't answer any stupid questions. You said you I, would bring Shemp back from the dead. Oh, I did answer that. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's that's uh, kind of did in my new book. I have him th- three times. He's in the book. Good segue. <laughs> Chosen you. people, Fanographics book. Thank you. When does it come out? Comes out early November, and and Frank and I are doing a book launch for it at the Strand Bookstore on, on November November fifteenth. So if you're in New York, please come. to Absolutely, that. come to that. And I also want to plug Heroes of the Comics and Heroes and more Heroes of the Comics, which are tremendous. I found things out I didn't know that CC Beck muddled Captain Marvel after Fred McMurray. Well, you look at the image and it's there. You yeah. could, you can see it. CC. There's a ton of good stuff in there, and right. and a ton of heartbreaking stories too. That's true. Gilly. Yes. <clears throat> what do you think? Yes. Well, first. Should we let this man go do, home? <laughs> do you want to ask Crouch yeah, about Groucho. the death of Francis Bavier? <laughs> or, we're not leaving here. He's a dog with a bone. <laughs> Groucho. What can you say? <laughs> Why did you let Francis Bavier <laughs> lay dead in her house for months <laughs> so her cats could eat her? Lord. <laughs> Because Chico needed her money. There you go, full circle. <laughs> I knew there was a good reason. Marie Prevost I knew about. She was the silent film star that was eaten by her dog. Uh, there, <laughs> her, are her of, there are a lot of... But I didn't know about uh, Francis Bobby. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't I, think it is. I think Louis Stone, who played Andy, Andy uh, Hardy's, oh, Andy Hardy's dad, dad. I th- I think... No, I think he was alive when they found him. Uh-huh. He had been, uh, he had been stabbed. But I did think... G- did Gig Young, after he killed that girl, did he... Gig Young, he shot himself. Yeah, he killed... That's right. Yeah. At least, yeah. yeah. I, I... This is ending on a, on a, on a uh, real sweet note. Sad. I think too sad. <laughs> B used to shit on George Lindsay. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't say that. The host said that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Frank, so- Frank, take control. We- <laughs> Some weeks it's just hopeless. Uh, anything else to plug? Oh, that's it for now, I think. Okay. Uh, so- just uh, 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 and you're going to draw the. Uh- What's that? The thing you said you were going to draw. Which is, well, oh, Tor Johnson, Tor and, Johnson and, and Forrest J. Ackerman. Right, yes, Forrest I'm going to get J. home and get right to that. Okay. Naked. <laughs> naked. naked. So, so I'm Gilbert Gottfried, and this has been uh, Gilbert and Frank's. Nope, not that one. Oh, oh, oh that's right. <laughs> that's coming up. I'm Gilbert Gottfried, <laughs> and this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. With my co-host Frank Santo Padre and the man who has endless questions to ask Croucho, <laughs> Drew Friedman. God bless Bobby Barber. That's all I can say. Yeah, I'm giving him his due. Thank you, Drew. Thank you, guys. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. 
Our researchers are Paul Rayburn and Andrea Simmons. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, Nancy Chinchar, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.